0: We are so excited to have an extra special podcast in sunday coming up here as we celebrate all of pride month but especially what pride looks like at this community in particular Um, so you'll get to hear from some amazing voices today some of which um, i know that i had just such a fun time getting to know during the entirety of this interview Um, and i hope that it will lend itself to you in in a similar way or maybe a different way, Um, but we hope that there will be a nugget of these conversations that each and every person can take away from. So with that, we're super excited to introduce you, reintroduce you, um, get to know a little bit better, Amanda and Barbara and Tony who are joining us for this special podcast um, with myself and with Brian that we got to put together. And so we hope that you enjoy this conversation. I'm pumped to get to know all three of you. I feel like I've had like cool conversations on the side, but never really like this, where we've been able to kind of talk about all of our stories and bring it together. And I feel like all three of you have something awesome to offer our community. Um, And especially with it being Pride Sunday and kind of getting to explore like, how did you come out? How did you get to Mission Hills of all places? Mm-hmm. What do you hope for? Um, I think it's just going to be kind of a cool space, and if we can do that with whiskey sours oh, in hand, yeah. we're not <laughs> mad about it.
1: So I've never uh, had a whiskey sour. Yes,
0: gotta make it the, the the right way with the whole like the egg white deal and everything. Oh wow! Uh, I've gotten fancy with the <laughs> quarantine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really, the time, <laughs>
0: She's
1: very nice.
0: We're here for it. Um, but yeah, might as well. I feel like jump in, kind of see where it takes us. I don't know how long we'll go. Um, I don't know if anyone has like a cutoff time if they need to be off off air. But um, yeah,
1: good. We're plugged in, so we're charged. Yeah,
0: like, <laughs> we're here for it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, might as well jump in. Um, so who are you? Like what's a, a little nugget about you? And then kind of jump into what was your like coming out story and anyone can start however you feel.
1: You don't want to go first? You go. Tony, you wanna to go first? I can. <laughs> I don't
0: know. You <laughs> Liquid luck.
2: Um yeah, so like I don't really have uh a coming out story, like, I, I, I I think I was uncomfortable with, with myself, and with my sexuality for, like, so long, so for a long time, I thought, you know, I thought I was, like, asexual, because I was just, like, I just was raised in this very conservative Catholic um, family, and, um, they They were ultimately accepting once I did finally um, come out, but like i I just kind of felt like it it was going to be an issue, and i wasn 't really comfortable with who i was and i kind of it, I waited until after I graduated from college to start experimenting and to start exploring who I was and even then it took a few years to like finally be open about that. Um, I waited until I I think I started experimenting around like 2011 and then around 2015 is when I just finally started being like a little more comfortable with who I was. And then my first real positive relationship, I should say um, around 2018 Is when I just kind of came out to my family and I I don't believe in having like a special coming out story I just I feel like I feel like it should be no different than if you're in a straight relationship so I kind of just like told my parents when they were they were both at separate times coming out coming out to visit California Um, I said oh yeah, I'm glad you're coming. By the way, like wear something nice because we're going to go somewhere nice to eat with uh, my partner. And they were like, wait, what? And I was just like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm in a relationship with a guy. And they were like, "Hmm." we we wish you would have told us, but we're accepting of that. So like, that's, I don't, I don't really have like a special coming out story. That's kind of how I came out. I was just like, yeah, you're just gonna have to deal with this.
0: <laughs> I love that though, like a plus for normalizing queer relationships, mm-hmm. I, especially am, with
2: your family. You know, kind of told my parents. My my parents were like, we would have been accepting. Like, we would have liked for you to have, have told us, like, and not just like have blindsided us. And I, I basically told them what I I told you all. I said, well, I feel like if society's ever gonna get to a place where, um where it's okay to be queer, where it's okay to be gay and it's not seen as like this special thing, I think it starts with the individual. And I don't feel comfortable, you know, having this big coming out story to you all when that's not, that's not how it should be. That's not how straight people do it. So I'm Mm -hmm. like in a relationship and the person who I'm in a relationship with happens to be of the same sex and that's that. So I'm dating him Mm -hmm. and you know, when you come, you're gonna meet him, because I Mm -hmm. want you to meet him, but just bring something nice, Mm -hmm. and that's that, so uh, my, my coming out was, like, a little different, I, like, I don't know, I kind of, I was so nervous for so many years, and then it was just so anticlimactic to, to a certain Mm -hmm. extent, because, like, once it finally happened, I was just, like, I'm not gonna have, like, the special, Mm -hmm. the special story, I'm, like, you know what, I'm finally comfortable with myself and they're gonna deal with it or they're not.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something even more to be celebrated,
2: not mm-hmm. big, no, we're okay with it. yeah,
0: party and, you know, rainbows everywhere kind of way, but mm-hmm. just that, hey, this is a huge milestone that hopefully I can show someone else that it can be a normal thing that's mm-hmm. just a part of our lives. Um, mm-hmm. so I mean, Absolutely. Awesome. Right. What
3: about it, y'all? It, it, it. yeah.
4: be. Yeah, tell tell your story for anybody at Mission Hills or <laughs> that like doesn't know you, like how you guys met, that kind of thing.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. Um. So this October we will have been together 16 years, um, but I'm only 25. So <laughs> I mean, I can <laughs> Figure out the <something. laughs> You can figure out the math, I mean. Uh, <laughs>
3: Glad you No,
1: So 16, I think. Um,
3: we were 18 and 19.
1: 18 and 19 when we first started dating. 16 years together, this will be our uh, five year wedding anniversary. We actually got married on our wedding, I mean our dating anniversary to keep it really simple. Cute. Um, so, let's see. I told my parents, or I told my mom, about, I had a, I I didn't know about a lot about sexuality. When I was younger, I went to a Baptist school. I I mean, I'm sure, I think people called me prude. I was very naive. I didn't know a lot about things until I went to a public school, (laughs) Um, which I think was a good thing. And then um, I had my like first kind of relationship with my best friend at the time, which is probably a very common um, story for women. Um, and then after, for like two years or something, and then when we broke up, I was probably in a, in a state of depression, and I was, it was really difficult for me to kind of um, hold back my feelings. I was living at home, I was like 17 or 18, 17 or 18, and um, what ended up happening is I had to... I was very um, introverted. I wasn't talking with my parents much, and I think they noticed that there was something different. So I eventually told my mom what was going on, and like Amanda and I were kind of talking about this, and we're like, we've we've kind of forgotten a lot of the details. Um, I don't know, maybe it's because it was a long ago, but also I think because so much has happened since, and maybe we're trying to focus more on the positive. Um, but I think it was at my godmother's house, and we called my mom over. So we did like this whole dramatic thing. And it was like, I have something to tell you. And my mom thought I was gonna say I was pregnant. And well, that's, you know, (laughs) it's not possible. Um, (laughs) um, So I ended up telling her, you know, that I was in a relationship with someone she knew, and this is why it was happening, and I was sad. So I think it was difficult because my I, my parents are like, my dad is an immigrant from South America. My mom's from Puerto Rico. They're a little bit older than um, most of like my friend's parents. Um, so I just kind of expect they were raised Catholic, uh, Latino, and it was just, I had this, ex- no one in my family was gay that we knew about the time or out since I came out, my cousin came out too. Um, but it was just, I had this expectation. I knew that it was gonna be challenging for them. And it was, I mean, they immediately, I think like many parents is they looked at it as a reflection of themselves and they looked at it in a negative way. Um, I think we had our periods where maybe we didn't talk as much, um, but it. I, just re- I always remember this one comment where, um, my parents, you know, what was it, 16 years ago, it's very different than now, right? So women who, or women who had short haircuts 16 years ago, you could be like, oh, that's a lesbian. And now it's like, everyone has short hair and it, it's like cute and, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> so it, like there were certain things that I think were way more stereotypical back then. And that's what my parents knew <clears throat> about gay women is like, they looked a certain way, they acted a certain way. And I think they were, I don't know if afraid is the right word, but they didn't want me to fall into that stereotype. And basically it was like, in so many words, it's like, you have to be that much more successful so that people don't just label you as the gay person. Um, and I mean, it's kind of a messed up thing to say, but I can, I, I totally get it. And I think from then, and Amanda and I both have talked about it, is we've always felt like this extra pressure to be successful because you're not just a doctor or a lawyer; you're a gay doctor, you're a gay lawyer, um, and no one wants to be, you know, dwindled down to a label. So I think you just always want to. Almost like overcompensate and make sure that you're successful and you're this great person, you know, despite of your sexual orientation. But fast forward, my parents, we have a really great relationship. They love Amanda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, they've come a long way. I mean, they're always learning, they're in their 70s. So we're always like constantly talking about things like Black Lives Matter, like, they're just, they're just learning what gender queer fluidity is that those are things that are very new to them. And we've just kind of encouraged them to be more willing to ask, ask the questions um, and to learn more about it. Um, but then there's the other feeling of I feel like I come out pretty regularly um, to like coworkers and Every day, um, you know, people are always assuming I have a husband, and most of the time, I'll correct them, depending on the space. The gardener at our other house thought we were sisters. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I talked to your sister, and I was like, okay, so how much do I owe you? Like, I didn't even go. <laughs> I didn't even take the time to correct it, because it's there's no point in that, right? Um But yeah, so like even with this virtual thing, like I was using Amanda's computer on Zoom and her name popped up and they were like, oh, and I was like, oh man, I have to say this. That's my wife's name. So here we are. Um, But I'm really lucky because I work in in an equity and diversity department. So I'm responsible for making sure that people feel accepted and are not discriminated against. So I kind of like put myself in a really good situation that if I... I'm ever discriminated against um I kind of already know like what to do and um, I'm lucky to not have been in that situation but that's pretty much it oh I have a funny kind of a funny story um so we met playing softball we of course we finally <laughs> had, you know, softball
3: or basketball probably. Kelly
1: was wondering and was like,
3: <laughs> I, yes I had it in my head what <laughs> Or <laughs>
1: and we even we even put that in our wedding vows just because oh, you you know, we wanted to make sure people we wanted to reinforce that stereotype <laughs> um, yeah so that in a nutshell is, is my story so
3: I was really thinking about my coming out story and I was like I think I kind of um I remember, I feel like I remember all of the negative, just because it was so scarring. Um, let's see, I don't remember, I think it was 2000, no, because that's when we graduated, so I want to say like seven, graduated junior college 2005, when I followed Barbara to North Dakota, so we went, we met at Valley College,
0: February
3: 2005, we were not even dating a year, Followed her to North Dakota, got my softball scholarship because I was like, I'm not going out because <laughs> I, I had another scholarship to go somewhere else and so I was like, you got to match it. To go to New York. and Which wasn't was- always my dream, you guys. Growing up, I'm like, I'm going to go to New York, I'm going to play softball, I'm going to live, that's just what it is. And I got a scholarship and I was like, oh my God, it's happening. But I'm now going. with
1: COVID, I said I pretty much saved your life because look at what's going on in New York. So, so see? <laughs> <laughs> <Totally> I <like, laughs> <white. laughs> You're well. So I said you can't bring that up anymore. <laughs> For a long time I
3: brought anytime we got in a fight, I was like, I followed you. You know, I'm not dramatic or anything. So I wanna say two thousand seven ish. Um I dated boys uh, in high school. Um, probably my first year of college too. So I think that was also part of my parent like, confusion of my family, like, I don't get, like, what happened, so dated boys in high school, um, I've always thought, like, women were attractive, like, I'm, like, oh, her outfit's cute, or she's pretty, like, I never, it never, like, dawned on me, like, I might be gay, um, so I think my first year of college, I met a girl, um, ended up dating, and I was, like, oh, I like her, like, I was, like, wow, this is, like, this is a different feeling, um, and then I met Barbara. This my sec, our second year of um, awesome. two thousand four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a girlfriend at the time. I always mm-hmm. love this story. She had a girlfriend. She came to like uh re- like we were recruiting her for softball, and I made a joke. I was the team captain of the softball team. Okay, <laughs> I made a joke, uh like with the team because we were meeting her and her girlfriend was there, and everybody laughed but her. And I was like. That's rude.
1: I don't remember the story. She
3: hates the story because she. <laughs> I was like, that's ridiculous, but whatever. So I was like, ah, eh, whatever. So anyway, I don't know what happened. I think they broke up. We obviously we became friends because she came. Um, she came and played softball, and then um, I don't know why I'm talking about. This that's how we technically met. So went to North Dakota. My parents didn't know, obviously the reason. I was like, no, I got a scholarship. My friend's going. I'm gonna go. Um, hated every second of it. We we're only there, like, literally like the nine months that we had to be there. Came back um, went to Cal State Northridge, um, and, like, in, at Valley, like, we were going out a lot, we had, like, I learned, like, we had a lot of, um, bi or lesbian girls on the team, so we would go, like, that was my first time going to a gay club, and, like, experiencing all these things, and I was, like, oh my god, this is amazing, like, I, like, it was just a sense of, like, this is crazy that this actually exists, and I didn't know, and then also, like, I feel like I can be myself, type thing, um, so, We were, we were going out, we were doing hookah. We would like every, every weekday, whatever weekend we were doing stuff with like a group of friends. And one night I was getting ready and my parents were leaving and like, so my coming out story, i never got to come out. I was kind of pushed out. Um, My mom was like, I have to ask you a question. I was like, oh God, okay. And she was like, are you gay? And I remember looking at her and I was like, don't ask, don't ask the, don't ask questions that you don't, that you don't want to know the answer to. And she looked at me and I was, and then I was like, you can ask it again, but don't ask the question, don't ask it if you don't want to know the answer. And then she left. Her and my dad went somewhere and I was freaking out because I was like, oh my God. Like I literally just came out to my mom, but like I had planned, I had this whole plan of like, I'm going to tell my parents when I, cause I was living at home um, when I leave, like it's going to be so much easier. I can be me, but you know, be out of the house. And so I remember calling Barbara. She was out to dinner with a friend. I don't even think i was supposed to meet you. I don't know where I was going, but I ended up meeting them, bawling my eyes out. Like, I don't know what to do. And I can't remember if her parents knew we were together, but I remember spending the night at her house a couple of nights just to kind of like give my parents some space and me some space because I was terrified to go home. Um, Not sure how many days I was gone. Um, And then I remember my my brothers were still living at home and they took me into their room and they kind of like wanted an explanation and i was like i don't i don't know what to say like like oh are you sure everything is this is a phase um one of my parents was like oh my gosh i would have just told you i wish you would have just told me you were pregnant um and i was like i'm like 20 20 21 like that's really what you would wish upon me so um one of them did not speak to me for six months. I lived in that house. The other one um, was basically like, well, they're not speaking to you, so I can't not, like, it was almost like pity, like, oh, we both can't not be, you know, talking to you. So, like, it was hard. My little brother, who's always six years younger than me, he was, (laughs) I really share things with him that I should never have shared with anybody, but he was like, we were very, we've always been very close. So he was like my confidant. He was my person. He was just like, okay, can we come cuddle me or let's do this. So if I didn't have him, like I don't know what I don't know what would have happened. But he he was really there for me. And then obviously I would go to Barb's and like I, my friends just became like my support. Um, so that was like really tough. I don't, I don't really remember like I don't remember anything past that conversation. Um, eventually, eventually I moved to my grandma's house. So I moved, I don't know, because I, after I we went to North Dakota, my little brother got my room, um, so I was sleeping on the couch anyway, like, it was like, oh, she's gone, so everyone, you get your own room, and then my, they gave my brother my car, so I came back to, like, literally nothing, and I was like, you, I went to college, like, I didn't, like, up and vanish, so that's always, I've, I've never thought, Barbara's always been pissed about it, but I've never thought about it that way, I've just been like, okay, like, there was an open room, they needed it, but I just assumed that I would get it back when I got back, So, um, what else happened? So, I eventually moved in with my grandma, stayed there for a couple years, and then Barbara and I ended up um, moving in together. Mm -hmm. But, like, fast forward, my parents, my family didn't really accept us until I I recognized. But Barbara used to come to, like, because I was like, okay, I'm gonna stand in my truth. Um, I'm going to start bringing her to family events. I'm going to, you know, it was very uncomfortable because she was my friend and I wasn't yeah, so. best friend <laughs> and I wasn't in the place where, even though I like, I was like, I'm in love with her. Like, this is my person. I wasn't comfortable yet to like be bold enough to be like, this is my person accept it or not. And like, you know, hindsight, you always be like, Oh, I should have done this. I would have done this. But like, I was young. I was like early twenties, still trying to figure out. It, was it this really me? Like, I love her, but like, I don't know. So, um, where was I going with that story? <laughs> oh, so I actually told Barbara, I was like, I'm gonna sit because I was gonna propose first. That was my plan. So, I had to, like, I went, we went, I lived in South Pasadena at the time, and um, I took them to a restaurant because I was like, oh, it's public. Like, there's not gonna be any drama. <sighs> I cried the entire time. Oh my God, the poor waiter. <laughs> my mom was crying. So, basically, I was kind of like, look. This is not a phase. We've been together. I don't know. We we had been together for like nine years at that time, eight nine. And I was like, I'm going to propose. So like, I need you to get on get on board or get off. Like, I I'm not doing this back and forth. Like, this is actually happening. So it was a whole conversation. You know, we cried. My dad. They everyone was very like, okay, like this is happening. So even after that, I wasn't a hundred percent like, okay, they're cool with it. I still felt a certain way. Um. So like. 10 years into our relationship, they finally were like, oh, like this, you can't fight it anymore kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom had since apologized to Barbara for how she treated her, for not being welcome, because like she used to come over and my brothers had their girlfriends and she was like, oh, Mija," You know, she was just a very, you could tell it was very different how she approached them and and treated them versus how she was treated. So, Mm -hmm. um, but what I did recognize from that, from talking about it is like, I never got an apology. I never got and I'm sorry for, you know, how we treated you we're, like all the stuff that like played in my mind when thinking about it. I was like, they never said sorry to me. Like I just kind of pushed it down, moved forward. And I feel like, um, I feel like I was already kind of a strong independent person, but that also forces you to, to be the best, to be like, I, I was always a really good student. I was always like, I was, I'm the, I'm the oldest, so I was pushed to, you know, be, excellent and the best but like once you come out if it's with you everywhere it's who you are so I identify as a lesbian I am proud I'm out I'm, I'm all of it but there's still that uh pressure to succeed because I was talking to her and I was like well what if you know I wasn't married what if I was single and you know dating around at 35 like would that be okay? Or what if I went in a completely different direction when my parents had finally come around? like. But you know, that's neither here nor there. So I feel like it just kind of pushed us, pushed me to be independent. Um, Barbara has been really impactful in a positive way in my life, just to kind of get me to recognize like, you're okay. And like, you know, that how that happened doesn't define you. Um, so I think we both just kind of worked really hard to get to where we are and to stay where we are and to just be an example to, you know, to show like, and I know that our stories are not what a lot of people's stories are. And I am grateful for that. My parents, they could have kicked me out immediately and I I don't know what would have happened. And so that's why Mm -hmm. I've always said like, I need to do more for the community. We need to do this, we need to do that. But at the same time, I feel like just us being us and sharing our story and reaching out to who we can reach out to Just shows that like you know you can be whatever you want to be regardless of where you come from regardless of the adversity everything because like I'm Hispanic I'm gay I'm a woman like there's so many things that are already stacked against you that it's just like you are like as women as men like you just have to overcome things anyway so I'm like well just add it to the pile and then you know you keep it moving so yeah I was kind of nervous because I was like oh what if my parents listen to this but it actually it happened like if they heard it I was like well it's okay. Like, cause I'm still very protected. It's so weird because I'm like, I need, to, I need to go back to therapy. Cause I'm like, there's something I'm, there's still that connection of, I still want to make my parents proud. I still want them to be happy for me and proud of me. And like, yeah, that's my daughter. And so and I, and still now, even in certain things, we'll argue about certain things. And I'm like, no, like, it's it's just crazy how I feel like I've grown up, but then in certain situations, I'm still that little girl that's looking for that approval and i don't I don't know that that ever goes away, but I feel like i you know you deal with it how you deal with it, but sorry, I feel like I rambled
0: <laughs> I think that was an amazing window into not only both of your like uh perspectives of your relationship but also your stories of coming out I think is incredibly powerful and I was talking a little bit to Barbara of like just existing is enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, existing as who you are, you don't have to be like present of three yeah. <laughs> your to like prove that you're doing enough for the yep. community yeah. or trying to move things forward. Like we can have passions and that can look like just existing so that someone else can see that they can exist as fully who they are mm-hmm. um, is enough. Like yep, you are totally enough in that
4: yeah and you you guys know this from my perspective you guys have met, left such like an indelible mark on our community just like in the mm-hmm. last couple of years uh just being who you guys are uh, and it's just uh your friendship means so much to me so uh, oh, thank I you love, i love both of y'all yeah i thank do you. have to
3: say that like everybody that i connect with on um instagram now I'm like, are you spiritual? Like, we we happen to get into like a conversation, and they're like, oh no, I hate the conservative. And I was like, well, I go to a church, so I'm like, I, when Kelly was like, what's your like? When Barbara was like, she wants me to talk about your mission. I was like, my mission is to get people to mission to Mission Hills. Like, I got Leilani, I got my cousins. I'm working on another friend, but it's just it's just to be like, look, it's not what you think it is. It's not the church that you that you have in your mind that we all talked about. Like everyone has experienced that type of uh, organization. And so that's my mission, Ryan. It's re- I'm really, I'm like, oh, I got to wow. share. The- like, that's my, I feel like that's my word. Like, I'm like, I found a place where I feel accepted. I know there's so many more people that are straight. They're, they're, not, they're not gay. Like there's just every, every color, every religion, every, that I'm just like, come on over, like, just check it out. And then, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm really passionate about now. Not like shoving it down their throat, you know, but just being like, check it out.
4: And then you're, they say, but you're way more evangelical than i am so I, I appreciate the help. i really appreciate the help so
3: so good
0: it's like the door-to-door evangelist hello yeah. you heard uh, about mission hills
3: yeah. are you spiritual <laughs> and when i read my message and i have to be like i have to be like but no pressure like i realized I, I reread my message and i'm like i'm so sorry this came up yeah. like you know but i just cool. feel really passionate about it because like you've mm-hmm. created a community Of like openness and acceptance and based on love and that's what to me that's what God is all about it's love and it's accepting everyone as they are and to find a place that you can actually feel like at home that's a big deal
4: yeah Yeah. and I think even what your you know story alludes to even in the midst of that is just the process of it like Mm -hmm. like we're we're all in process through Mm -hmm. through whatever it is we're going through and so uh, I appreciate your yeah. like vulnerability and honesty and that kind of thing because it's like, yeah, we don't have the answers, but we're we're like in process and we're mm-hmm. a community that tries to like base that in love. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah, definitely,
0: yep, yeah. yeah. I definitely connect with a lot of things you were saying, Amanda. Um, when I came out, I prepared for the worst because then I wouldn't be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I came from a super evangelical space. The day that I came out to my parents was the very last day I worked for the super evangelical camp that I had heard like slurs all summer long, um, and it was just that moment of, like, well, I'll have to figure it out with or without you, mm-hmm. but here I am, kind of stating my truth, and I, I had actually already gotten accepted into a seminary that still practiced conversion therapy. Like I had a crazy journey getting from there to CTS where I now go, um, figuring out how I was going to eventually end up in California, um, things like that. And it was cool to see how it all came together in the space of Mission Hills where I had come out, um, I think it was like April or something, my first year of seminary to see what it would look like to kind of spend some more time with Mission Hills and I was just blown away by how at peace people seemed to be where they could show up and they didn't have to perform they mm-hmm. didn't have to fill a role mm-hmm. at church like you could really just show up as your full self and know that like wherever you were in that process that you were talking about Ryan like that was okay mm-hmm. whether you were like I don't know if I believe in God or I just came out of a really hurtful situation and I need time to process, mm-hmm. or I'm super excited about the space that provides love and acceptance, and that's not even a question here. Mm-hmm. It, that's not something that we're willing to budge on. Um, and to reclaim like worship, to reclaim the space and the community um, was something really unique. So I'm curious, like, how did y'all find out about Mission Hills? How did <laughs> you stumble upon mm-hmm this like really strange, but really wonderful community. Like, How did that
3: happen? Yeah. We drove by. <laughs> did you see the rainbow sign? Outside? We saw the rainbow sign. So we, uh, had, we bought a house, um, not that far from Mission Hills on Devonshire and Haskell. And we had always talked about finding a community, finding a church that we'd always wanted to go back to, because we are spiritual. We believe in God. I went to Christian school, um, also, um, but we just, I was like, we have to find some, like, a church. So, like, for us, we, I, I, we had tried a couple of churches, hadn't we? Find
1: know. We were lo- we were looking, um, but basically it was, like, Google yeah. gay-accepting church. Yeah. And, you know. We, the rainbow flag.
3: Google search. That yeah. A- <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I have a rainbow flag. And so I think we passed by because her parents didn't live that far. And every time we go to her parents' house, we would see the church. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, this week we got to go. And then another week would pass. I think it was, it was nerves. Um, Just because you never know, like they could have the flag and it's like, but like, what if they're not, what if it's just to get you in, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, finally one day, I think we, we were in the process of our, like beginning of our baby journey. Mm -hmm. I think we were pregnant. I think so. I, mean, I think we were stage. pregnant, and I think that we were just like, you know what? Let's go. Like, let's just do it. And I remember it was uh, around the time where Trump was putting, um, what was it? It was the uh, cage. No, it was the cages.
4: He's done so many things for us. Wasn't it? Okay, yeah. well, it was around
3: something. But you were talking about it, and you were, like, condemning it. Like, you were, like, this is wrong. Like, these are people, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember we cried like the entire service, like the songs and the conversation. And I was just like, it was almost like a, like a washing, like, oh my gosh, like Mm -hmm. this is, this is crazy. Like, this is the feeling that I had. I used to go to church. Um, my best friend in sixth grade, her grandpa was a pastor. So I used to go to their church. I used to sleep over like literally every weekend. We used to go to her church Her aunt sang in the choir. We had like Sunday school. Like I really enjoyed it. I used to drag my parents there because I'm like, come on, like, I'm going to spend the night anyway. You have to pick me up. So like, they would go to church. Um, I don't necessarily think they're religious. My mom grew up Catholic. My, I feel like my dad grew up Catholic, but like, not like so strict, um, but they had fun. Like, you know, they knew people, so it was fine, but like, that was the feeling. It was like joy to like be in church again and to like experience it all. And then everyone was just so nice, like, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so, mm-hmm. you know, welcome. Like, I remember talking to Ryan, I was like, this guy looks so young. He's the pastor. <laughs> and, like, you were, like, so chill. And I was like, no one was, like, overly, you know people go to church are, like, overly dressed because you're, it's, like, um, for me, it was almost an expectation of, like, a performance. Like, you have, it's, like, mm-hmm. you're going somewhere fancy, so you have to show up that way. And I was like, this is so, like, real. Um, so it was literally a drive-by and, like, suit a blessing 100% Mm -hmm. because then obviously you know things happened and our pregnancy didn't work out and like I feel like I quickly opened up to Ryan like this is what I'm going through Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it was but it was like a a comfortability where like you don't just like throw out that information to anybody like there's just a sense of family and camaraderie and like just from the moment that we went to the first service like that I felt like that and we talked about it Mm -hmm. we talked on the way home like oh my gosh like how did why haven't we been coming here like where has this been so yeah so
1: I think it was definitely we saw the sign
3: yeah
1: ace of base um <laughs> oh you know who ace of base is Kelly okay
3: <laughs> um Tony's like what Tony knows <laughs> of base right <laughs> oh, okay. I know um, I think we
1: still play it at the club Our we um,
3: were like 50 we're not I promise we're not we're in our 30s okay. um <laughs> and- But like
1: our experience with religion, um, I guess more recently, like when we got married in 2015, there were certain family members in Amanda's family that Mm. declined to come to our wedding uh, based on their religious beliefs. Mm. Um, And so I think...
3: And I didn't think that that was going to happen,
1: if I'm being 100%. Yeah, I think it's just you not feel betrayed, but it's almost like
3: mm-hmm. so we, so we
1: kind of just were feeling like, okay, where do we go? And then we had we had some family members who went to this mega church in Porter Ranch that, you know, donated money to um Prop 8 to help pass this uh law to keep us from getting married. So you know you're kind of surrounded by that and you're kind of like, well where do I go? Um
3: where do you where do we fit in?
1: Yeah. And then it's also like, we don't, we don't want to go somewhere that was only interested in how much we could donate and how could we contribute in a monetary way versus our thoughts and that's just being. And so I think we've, we've loved uh, Mission Hills and it's just been so impactful for us. Like this last Sunday, we were having a hard time, but I woke up in bed. I was like, I miss church. Let's just log on. I was on.
3: like 10, I was like, it was like 9.50. I was like, we need to get up and then i think it was like 10:15 and that's why we weren't on cuz we were literally in bed yeah. but like it just brings a sense of calm like, like it just feels better of, after yeah.
1: and it's just to be able to, to like i remember telling my parents like oh my gosh we go to this church and they talk about immigration like this male pastor talks about the impact women have on the world and it's just you know we talk about immigration and and um we talk about, like we talked about um, Kavanaugh when the Kavanaugh stuff was going on. I was like, what churches are talking about real events that are not just, I think one of the past sermons was like this like joyous ceremony and it's just, it's fake. Um, so I don't know. And we've just learned so much from the different experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that sign is a really, I think that is probably one of the Best things that happen for us, mm. because otherwise we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have gone in. Mm-hmm. So,
2: Tony,
0: what about
3: you?
2: So, for me, um, like I said, like in 2011, I kind of started leaving the Catholic Church. I, I was like a weirdo, and like I, I went to. I went to church like every Sunday like which my friends never did in college throughout college and I think it's because I grew up in a very conservative household so my parents go to daily mass my sister she's four years older than I am she goes to if not daily mass at least mass on a weekly basis and wow. I just kind of like I I grew up in a household like that, and I, throughout college, would just go to mass on Saturday evenings and then go party on Saturday (laughs) (laughs) evenings. It's it's like balance. balance. And and when I graduated from college is, like I said, around 2011 is when I kind of started questioning my faith and questioning well more specifically my religion and how that tied into who I was and you know I I kind of thought about the role in which the Catholic Church has played on vulnerable communities I'll say and I felt like it just I don't I don't think it was sustainable for me and I I started realizing that and I started thinking you know I, I want to continue going to church on a regular basis, but I'm not sure if the Catholic church is kind of compatible with me as I was kind of like in that beginning stage of thinking about my sexuality and, um, my needs just in general. And I, I moved back to Atlanta where my, my, my parents, um, live, um, like May, right after I graduated, May, 2011. And I started attending a Methodist church at the time, like 10 minutes away from their house. Cause at the time I felt like the Methodist church was more progressive. We've since learned that's not the case given their <laughs> rulings right. within the past year or two on on like marrying gay couples. So, but at the time I felt like, hmm, this is nice. And it was uh it wasn't an AME church, it wasn't an African Methodist Episcopal, it was like a regular Methodist church, um, but it was predominantly black and I liked, I, I just liked at the time what the Methodist church kind of embodied, and I liked at the same time that I was getting, like, gospel singing mm-hmm. and um, a really good homily that I, or sermon that I wasn't necessarily getting within a Catholic church, and so I did that for um, a few months, and then I did a, a Quaker service year. I did a, a service year um, working with adults with developmental disabilities through a program that was run by a Quaker organization. So then I attended a Quaker meeting for like a year Um, and then I went to law school after that and I attended a really cool um, Methodist church called Old West Church in Boston when I was attending law school and my pastor there is, like, still really awesome. Like, she's just – she kind of goes against the grain of, of what's going on with the Methodist church right now. She's in a same-sex relationship. And she had, like, really cool, like, purple-dyed hair or blue-dyed blue, blue dyed hair, like, given, given whatever Sunday you were going. And um, I started to feel more comfortable in that, in that – church but then I left I graduated from from law school actually throughout law school northeastern I attended northeastern which is on a quarter system so I had to do four full-time internships before graduating in my second and third years of law school and I actually did them all in like different cities so it's it's kind of tough to say that I that entire time I attended old old west church I actually like for instance, one summer I was in D.C. and I attended a, a Buddhist temple for like the entire summer that I interned in D.C. and like I interned in or in Chicago and in D- in D.C. I attended a Presbyterian church that was affirming um, when I was in in D.C. and in North Carolina, I attended another Methodist church in North Carolina. So it's I was kind of like all over the place during that time because of my second and third years. But for the most part, like I considered old West church, my church home and I still attend some of their zoom meetings sometimes. And I still talk to Sarah and am sharing stuff with her. And, and so I did that. And then um, when I first moved to California, to LA in October of 2017, once again, was still a church floater. And I attended, I found an Episcopal church for a little while. So I was living in K-Town and Koreatown and um, Hollywood after that. And I attended Church of the Epiphany, which has a long history of social justice work because I I was really interested in not only As I was becoming more and more comfortable with my sexuality, like a church that was certainly affirming, but also a church that was very um, dedicated and committed to social justice issues. So Church of the Epiphany has a really interesting history because they were active in the 1960s during the um, Mexican-American, during their... um, their social justice movement in the '60s, with like children who are like skipping schools and fighting for justice. And um, Cesar Chavez visited Church of the Epiphany several times and spoke there. And um, Father Tom is also very, very much involved in um, in a group within LA that's dedicated to. It's called Clue. It's Clergy Lady United for Economic Justice. And they're just a bunch of clergy from from different faiths, from like Judaism to Islam to Christianity, who are all fighting for social and economic justice. And I felt at home there. But then I, I ultimately moved to West LA, um, which is where I am now. And it just wasn't feasible for me to um be able to travel 45 minutes every Sunday for a church service. So I did what you all did and I basically searched I went on Google and old faithful on Google and searched for like a, it was like literally one Sunday morning I like woke up at like 5:30 it's so embarrassing. I w- I woke up at like 5:30 in the morning or like 5.00 a.m. cuz like probably cuz of the dog yelling I can't even remember why. And I was just like I'm going to go to a different church this Sunday and I'm going to hope that it works out and I'm going to like find affirming, but I've, I, in, in my process of looking for affirming churches, like I found plenty of churches that are kind of what you alluded to earlier, like in name, they say that they're affirming, but when you get there, they're very judgmental and they're not actually affirming and it's just a kind of a ploy to get you in there but I was I was um, optimistic about about Mission Hills just because i I did a lot of environmental um, environmental justice work um, from the organization that I was working for when I first moved here and in law school and I I was drawn not only by its affirming message but by the environmental justice um terminology that was on that was on the website and I felt like all right most like fake affirming churches that pretend they're evangelical don't really have anything about EJ so I was like this is this is promising um, and I went, I sat in the back when I first came, and I continue to sit in the back, let's be real, but, like, you know, I, like, I, I went, and I was just, like, all right, I, like, I, I can do this, um, and I've, I've kind of stayed, and I, I showed up, when was that? Probably uh, a few weeks before Thanksgiving 2019, and I've just kind of kept going back since then.
0: Thank you all for sharing. Like, it's so cool how many different paths people can get to Mission Hills, and I feel like folks are just so over the map as far as where they are when they walk in mm-hmm. the doors, and that's what makes it so unique. Um, I think there's a huge difference between acceptance and belonging, and I spoke a little bit about that a couple weeks ago. Like, sure, you can be accepted. Like, welcome into what we're already doing. Um, you can attend you can show up but belonging looks like hey you are so valued that we are not the same without you like your voice is going to help shape the experience of what a sunday is it's not just going to be like we're going to prepare this performance and you can be in the audience it's very much a collaborative effort to make a community that looks like who's in the room Mm -hmm. um, which i think is really cool and really unique
3: Tony, I think it's super brave that you even went looking for churches. Like, we were never bold enough to be like, we're just going to go try. Like, we were Mm -hmm. always, like, there's something that always stopped us. So, I think that's awesome that everywhere you went, you just went and tried it out and found what you thought would work for you.
2: Well, I think, you know, for me, it was, like, a little easier because my mindset, and it it still is to a certain extent, I'm not going to lie. Like, I just have since leaving the Catholic church, when I said, I'm officially leaving the Catholic church, I'm not doing that. I'm going to find something that works for me that's not Catholic. I've always considered myself a church floater. So Mm -hmm. I think initially, and now it's kind of changing. I think I'd like to see myself with a church home and a church community. Mm -hmm. But for those several years in between, I thought of myself as a church floater. And in a way, it was kind of easier to just kind of all right, I'm going to be here Mm -hmm. for, like, a week or two or, like, a month, two months, and then try something else, and that's, I I think it worked out initially, and it's, it has given me an interesting story that I went from, like, Catholicism to Mm -hmm. Quakerism to the Methodist church to, to, you know, now, now Mission Hills, but, like, at a certain point, you do kind of get tired of that, and you do kind of just want to find a place where you're like, not, you know, just, you're not an outsider.
1: And what I really like about Mission Hills is, I don't know, like, I'll be the first to say, I went to Catholic Church, I had my my communion in second grade, I was never, did the confirmation. And I, I don't know a ton about the Bible. And so it's always been very intimidating to me to go to a church, where we talk about oh, remember this verse, and let's talk about this verse, and I just I would always kind of feel shame, shame, ashamed, ashamed, ashamed mm-hmm. because I don't really know it that well. But what I've liked about about Mission Hills is that there's the focus on the verse, but also on the big picture of what the verse means, and I just like it because it makes you think more about how that whatever the like lesson of it is or the interpretation can be applicable in your life now and I think that's what's been really impactful so I always walk away um thinking not really feeling like I went to church just feeling like I was with a group of like-minded people good people and we just got to learn something and um so what I'm trying to say is if you try to throw verses at me (laughs) I may not know but (laughs) so that's what I really like because I felt I felt comfortable um other times where i would kind of feel intimidated and scared like
3: kind of you open it up to conversation and questions and like discuss amongst yourselves and like let's talk about you know where your heads are mm-hmm. at versus like preaching at us and saying this is what it should be which is what i've experienced
4: mm-hmm. yeah and i think like i really resonate like what y'all are saying and kind of back to what tony was saying earlier with like it's like an approach of curiosity you know it's Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. okay how can you approach the biblical text i mean it is a challenge in some ways you know just as a community in general when you think of so many different people kind of like forming a new community coming from different educational backgrounds spiritual backgrounds religious backgrounds cultural backgrounds and you're kind of trying to form something new it's like okay well how do you how do you approach the bible in a non-dogmatic way or religion Mm -hmm. for that matter in a non-dogmatic way Uh, while also being uh, like intellectually rigorous and curious at the same time. And I think that that's still something that we're working out as a community, but an approach that we value curiosity way (laughs) over some sort of like absolute, you know, take on something. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And I think the process isn't always perfect, but there's this humility aspect that's really beautiful too about, I think, like, especially for you, Ryan, of there are some moments where we're like, we don't know, and that's okay, and we're going to work through that together, and I think that's what's beautiful about how all the all the different passions that are present in the community, whether it is environmental justice, whether it is LGBTQ inclusion, whether it is Black Lives Matter, like, these are all things that we want to speak on and incorporate not only in the words that we're saying on a Sunday, but the work that we're doing outside of the community, and I think like, something that Ryan said before is how, I know for me, like, communities that I've been a part of, it's all about getting into church, getting more people into church. Like, everything surrounds what you do in that building or as part of this name, church. Um, versus here, I feel like we're coming together, yes, in and doing important things, but it is so that when we go back out into all of our respective communities, we are... Kind of prepared for those conversations that like Amanda and Barbara you're having with friends who maybe haven't felt acceptance but are spiritual and want to find a place or a home or Tony like the work that you're doing just day in and day out like can it be a space of rest? Um and so I guess like that'll jump into like what are those unconventional spaces that you feel like you're in? How how would you like to see like church as a whole like Capital C Church but also like, church in terms of Mission Hills community change and kind of pursue those things. What are you passionate about? I just threw, like, four questions at you. That's totally okay. Pick and choose as you, so please. Um, But yeah, like, where are your thoughts as you think about one, two, five, ten years? As far as communities like Mission Hills, what would you hope for? Um, And it's okay if you need, like, a minute to digest all of those things
2: so i'll i'll start and uh, like i haven't fully thought this through but i'll i'll try to like work it as a right. um I, like one thing that that i was thinking about anyway as as you know you all were were answering is that like i think the beauty in my journey specifically is that okay so my parents still like i said they still attend catholic church on almost a daily basis sometimes more so my dad. My dad works for the Archdiocese of Atlanta. Um, but I think that my, my journey of exploration of like, even like aside from like just coming out and everything, just like my legit spiritual journey has kind of motivated them in certain ways. So my mom wasn't a cradle Catholic. My mom was, was raised AME and became Catholic when she converted when she married my dad, right? And she's been just as devout as my dad has been since they've been married. But I think like the last two years of them like dealing with just stories about my spiritual journey and just being like, yeah, no, this isn't for me. And I want to like, figure out what's for me. My mom's been like, I think I want to go to a different church other than a Catholic church. And so, like, now my mom's just, whenever I'm on the phone with her on, like, a Monday or something like that, she's just, like, I went to a non-Catholic church. And I'm just, like, whoa. So this wouldn't have happened, like, four years ago. So I think, you know, on the one hand, I'm kind of, like, proud of myself for being so open um, because it's kind of given my parents who are kind of, you know, set in their own ways, which is normal for older people to be like, maybe we should kind of re, not, if not rethink some things, just like experiment a little. Um, and then repeat kind of what you're looking for.
0: I mean, that in and of itself is enough. Um, just seeing the change that can happen in conversations closest to you. On the grander scheme, like, would you hope that there could be more acceptance or more exploration, especially for you who've kind of gotten to explore different spaces and different faith traditions as well, like, what would be your hope for a place like Mission Hills in the future? Would it be, like, more acceptance, more conversations around that? Like, what would that look like for you?
2: Right, what I'm looking for. Um, So, you know, I, I, I have, like, multiple thoughts on that. Like, I I feel like on the one hand, I would love for, I I would love to be part of a community in which people are continually thinking about about issues that don't necessarily impact them directly, right? So Mm -hmm. be it like LGBTQ issues, LGBTQIA plus issues, or racial justice issues like Black Lives Matter is like Mm -hmm. uh, a topic that's like really popular right now right um on the other hand I feel like I feel like church communities should just be as authentic as possible and leave the door open and not necessarily go in with mindset that they're going to tackle all of these issues that not everybody tackles because i feel like when you when you're a kind of homogenous community that sets out to kind of work on on these issues that you're not quite familiar with then it kind of paves the way for this kind of performative these performative discussions and this this kind of, um, this, uh, these kind of talks that don't really, that that don't really provide much sustenance that, that aren't really helpful overall. Um, so I think it's it's best to kind of just let it happen organically. I'll leave it at that. So like I have mixed yeah, I feelings. So on the one hand, like I want I want that to happen. I want everybody to kind of like just dive in and and have those uncomfortable conversations, but on the, on the other hand, I I I know from personal experience and I just feel like that can kind of create um some discussions that aren't aren't healthy and that aren't good. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna go on you for a second.
1: I mean, I think um, I really agree with Tony on that. I think um, Mission Hills and Ryan and Kelly. Like when I first met Kelly, and Kelly identified herself or themselves. I'm sorry, I don't even know your pronouns. Um, but it was just like, oh my gosh, like because it's 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 for me. I've never really seen women. That involved in the church but then uh for Kelly to say like she's going to be more involved and do sermons and stuff I was like wow because I mean there it is true when they say there's a lot of value in seeing other people who look like you or who are like you um and so that I thought that was really awesome and I think I, I love the different topics that Mission Hills talks about I really feel like um we do kind of um kind of push the envelope because we talk about controversial things and and there are many people who have different views and I really do like that um I don't think there's anything you'll have to do but if since we're asking um I know in the past and I know in the past you've had maybe speakers come in um I think that was really cool. I think maybe having speakers or like workshops on things that could help the community. Like I know you had someone come in about DV and I think I missed that, but I thought that was really awesome. Um, And one of the things that Um, I'm passionate about just on a personal life is it's kind of cool Tony I didn't know you went to law school I went to law school too Um, so I've always been very interested in equity and um, equal rights employment law especially so having little having workshops for the community to know their rights about certain things um, and just things that could help people just be more successful and and that's not necessarily bringing people into our church but it shows the community that You know we are part of the community and we care about them regardless if they're going to come on Sundays Um, and that's like one of those things like if we can help one person even if it's outside of our church that's like living our truth and, and the mission behind Mission Hills I think so not that we have to change anything but I mean if we really wanted to think of some new things to do um, I think that would be kind of cool and it sounds like something you've already kind of done in the past. So
3: What she said <laughs> <laughs> I do feel I want I mean I do sound evangelical now that it's in my head, but I feel like we could be like the the bigger churches in but keeping what you already do like keeping this bigger community I just feel like there's so many people like like us like-minded there's that, st- that haven't found their place and like in one, two, five, ten years, I feel like that could be us. We, we could be that community for them. They just haven't found us yet. Mm-hmm. So I just I'm trying to think of like not outreach because I don't want to be like, hey, come to our church. But like, are you spiritual? <laughs> <We> do <don't> you <laughs> believe in God?
1: <laughs> do we have do we have budget money for a commercial?
3: <laughs> but, but like honestly, like the conversations that I'm having, <laughs> they happen authentically. It's not like I'm like jumping in like. We have conversations and then I'm like, well, like I used to feel like that too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so eh, I think about it's not the best idea, but like, I feel like we could grow exponentially. I just, I don't know how to, how to not be preachy about it, but Mm -hmm. I love what you do. I love how, how like the setup, I guess. Um, And Barb and I always talk about, I'm like, I hope they do zoom even when you guys go back because I love it. Like even if people can't attend or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just feels like home for us. And I just, I don't know that you really need to change anything, but you know, everything you guys said was good, but
4: yeah. yeah what are you, what are you thinking, Kelly, like around uh, unconventional spaces? Cause I know you have thoughts on this kind
0: of thing. <laughs> Well, now that you ask, asked, <laughs> but I have some thoughts too, just about like, especially Tony and, and Barbara, what you were saying of like, there's something so good about accountability in church spaces and being like, I'm not the expert on this but we're going to bring in someone who is and expand mm-hmm. our community that way of like yeah I I have been part of churches like for example predominantly white who have no clue how to do racial justice well and do it so performatively that it's just like y'all were better off doing nothing honestly mm-hmm. like <laughs> I, I think of things, and you know, I was a part of it too. Of like the black square thing that happened with Blackout Tuesday. Of it was actually led by two black women, and it was a really awesome way to like mute white voices. But then it just went awry because white people can't follow direction for shit. So like, it's just don't get don't like get that.
4: Tony started on the don't get Tony started <laughs> on the. Black I know, I know. Stairs.
0: I'm like, hold on, hold on. Um, but I think there is something too of, like we, we want to enter into this conversation and we want to be that space for folks who probably aren't always experiencing it elsewhere, but we also want to do it really well and we want to be intentional. And I think sometimes it takes slowing down um, to truly think about that and enter into conversation organically, like what you're saying, Amanda, and then go from there. Um, and for me, that's always happened more organically in these unconventional spaces. So where I found myself in the past few years, I've done a little bit of work with a group called Affirming Worship, and we set up shop in a gay bar, complete with a stripper pole, and we set up a Hammond organ next to it, because why not? And it was a space for people who hadn't been to church in years because they hadn't felt accepted in that space or felt super triggered to enter into even a building that looked like a church and yet still wanted to connect to their spirituality in some sort of way and I like that's what I feel super passionate about and I love that Mission Hills isn't the typical cookie cutter church like I remember showing up in I forget when it was like October November when I started coming more regularly and filling in with worship was people were sharing some very intimate, hard details of their life with the entire congregation. That was new in a really great way of like, wow, this person feels so comfortable that they can share openly in a church space and not necessarily ask for prayer in the normal way of like, I just really need you like to send your your prayers and blessings my way, but truly calling on the power of the community to surround them um, in a moment of need. Like, I think that's what church is, and it's been so awesome to be a part of this community and like really see it truly in all its forms over the past few months, and like see it continue to change and adapt. Um, over Zoom, like Brian and I have talked about what will it look like even once we can meet back in person to make it accessible via Zoom, to also continue to shape it as more of a conversational space. Cause I think that's, at least for me, I know has brought me closer to folks cause I actually get to have that conversation around mm-hmm. the text or whatever issues are happening that week. Um, yeah, it's just, it's cool to see a community adapt to the needs versus force the people showing up adapt to a specific vision or mission mm-hmm. that people hundreds of years before have said this is what you have to be.
4: Yeah, that'll be so interesting when we start meeting back again in person because I think we're really gonna like, I mean, in, in many ways, you know, Mission Hills is like three years old, so we're you know, we're really new into this experiment. Um, and I think it constantly needs to evolve and change and bring in new voices and, you know, realize when we've made mistakes and, um, you know, something that I've really tried to, you know, avoid is kind of like what you're talking about, Tony, this kind of like performative acts of type things. Like I've been in in certain progressive spaces over the course of the last like four or five years. And um, there's sometimes where it's like everybody just says what they know that everybody else wants to hear Mm -hmm. and you're like, you're not really saying anything. And so that's something that, man, I'm so sensitive to um, not because I don't want to be like that person that I hate, but really because you just don't get anywhere when Mm
2: -hmm. that's what
4: you're trying to do. Um, So, um, but, but also trying to be curious and, and to bring up important things that people are going through as well. And like, how can you be, A community that's curious, that's trying to incorporate marginalized perspectives and voices into the conversation, not to say like, oh, I'm appropriating, you know, what this person says to meet my Mm -hmm. own agenda in some way, Uh, Mm -hmm. or because I think this this will impress like a certain group of people. But like the real challenge of the true um, understanding of what gospel is, is to be a listener. To to really kind of keep yourself open to both be challenged by the outsider and the other and the marginalized perspective. Um, so it's like how do you how do you walk that tightrope, Tony? Of you know, um, b- incorporating the the marginalized voices and the perspectives you know without trying to say, well, look how many you know things that I you know know mm-hmm. and have read. So um, that's something I don't think I have gotten or that anybody maybe ever comes to a point, but it's something that's like, it is a constant battle and thought of like, how, how do you, how do you, and also like, you know, some, as someone who has like an education in this, I often feel like um, it's my responsibility to introduce people that haven't heard of these like Mm -hmm. authors and speakers and stuff, just in case Mm -hmm. it's like, I found this person helpful and challenging to me, not saying that I know, the right answer, or everything, but what do we, you know, what do we think of this? And so, um, I, I'm, I'm very self-conscious of that, like probably too self-conscious of that. But, so, you know, I was really impacted by, you know, um, like James Cohn, and had been thinking about him a lot over the last few weeks uh, with the Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, but I have seen so much appropriation of James Cohn by white mm-hmm. evangelicals over the, and I'm like, no, like I don't. I don't want to be that because I know what that is. And so I don't know if there's ever a right answer, but it is, there's like a check. And then I think that's also the role of community. Like as mission Hills develops as a community, it's like, well, how do we check each other? You know, where you know, some, you kind of like step out of line or something, but you're developing a community that's intimate enough. That it's like, you know, like you kind of said this thing and I'm not really sure that I'm not sure, really sure how you meant it. Like, you know, what, what do you mean? So Mm-hmm. um i think that's to kind of the topic right now of like how mission hills develops, so like where do we go with unconventional spaces and what what is community especially on the other side of the pandemic i think it's it's developing that atmosphere i think a bit more um and i think you're you're right tony it's like it's all about like uh, figuring out what is authentic to this group mm-hmm. yeah what, what is your what is your story to tell what is what is important to this community, and what are, what is the community going through? Like the individuals in the community, you know what what are we going through, and what what do we care about? I don't
0: know. Yeah, and knowing that there's a hundred percent chance that we'll do it wrong at some point.
4: Yeah, that's yeah.
0: okay, and owning that, um, and yet continuing to move forward, not just shying away because we've hit a roadblock or something like that. Um, I think it's exciting to see that there's spaces that we can inhabit, whether it's um, coming alongside organizations like Somos, um, which is an active, like LGBTQ inclusive organization um, in the area, or whether it is opening up to spaces like gay bars for people who don't feel comfortable in a church or whatever else that means showing up and creating a protest in good old Mission Hills, right? Like, there's so many spaces to occupy as the church, and I think if the pandemic has taught us anything, or at least reinforced anything, it's that church doesn't happen in the building. It happens in the lives of people who are truly a part of that community, Um, and it's happening in Amanda and Barbara's life and marriage and like vision that y'all give to this community that is, especially for a young queer person is amazing to see in real life and be like, wow, that is something that is actually attainable and difficult and challenging, but also beautiful in all the ways. I think it's also true to see that in Tony, your journey of like, hey, maybe it means roots. Maybe it means continuing to be that person who can show up in new spaces. Um, there's so many options of what it can look like. And I think whether you're here for a Sunday at Mission Hills or years for folks who have been around, you know, even pre-whatever Mission Hills is right now, um, there's so much beauty that can be done in in just the work of existing and showing up. But no, seriously, I like, are there any closing thoughts, things that are on your heart that you're like, I want people at Mission Hills to know this. Um, yeah, any final thoughts?
2: I think it's, it's been a great conversation, but I think, you know, if there's one thing that I've learned through this journey that I've been on, it's that, you know, we're, we're continually growing and we're continually, I don't think there's like an end point of figuring out who you are as a person and what your interests are. And I, I'm always fascinated by just waking up and, and learning something new about myself. And I, I don't think that, I, I, I would be remiss to say if, if I, I just think that there's, there's no time that's too late or too soon to kind of figure out your path. And that's what I would hope that people listening to this conversation would recognize.
0: Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. That, amen. And yeah, to me, really that great. means coming out multiple times as mm-hmm. different things like, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there has to be some sort of level of grace for yourself and for others to allow that continual path to be made. Um, I believe it about theology, I believe it about my identity that I'm never going to come to a conclusion. I might come to some sort of hypothesis. Um, Mm. And that's, that's that on that. And that's all good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah.
1: I think, um, I think maybe what I would want to say and it's probably on, on our behalf is just, thank you to everyone at Mission Hills. I mean, we have such a diverse, Um, community and it's been nothing but love and not acceptance but a sense of belonging Mm -hmm. um and it's it's just been amazing because you just never know and i mean people part of different communities whether um, you're a person of color in the lgbtq community you go in and you kind of um, you skim the room and you make your own conclusions like is this gonna be for me right and I, I mean I could tell you we walked into Mission Hills and we're like we're not sure like this could be you know that there are people who are older than us some younger than us and it's, people just look different right and so I was so ha- we're, we've been so happy that the people are so great there and have always been very loving and um, you know made us feel like we belong there and so and and that's I think that's a huge testament to you Ryan and to the like what you've done there and then I'm so happy Kelly's here like when I found out Kelly was in San Diego I was like what (laughs) are you still gonna be involved because Mission Hills is far (laughs) Um, so it's just it's been awesome so I mean we just we look forward to continuing to to stay with the community and I hope Tony puts down some roots over Mission Hills (laughs) 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 (laughs)
4: <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, thanks.
0: Brian, any final thoughts?
4: Oh no. I mean I just thank you all for doing this. I, I love each and every one of you and um just have so much joy and respect for, for all of you. So thanks for being able willing to do this. So
1: Thanks for asking. Yeah, us. thank you.